Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, this is Stuart Roberts, founder of Haircuts for Homeless, and welcome to the Hear Me, See Me podcast. I'm going to be talking to people who are truly inspirational to me, some you may have heard of, and some you haven't, but you really need to hear their story. Hello, today this is uh, Stuart Roberts from Hear Me, See Me podcast, and I'm talking to, um, it's, it's actually it's a good friend of mine, it's her son, and she's told me all about him, but we've never spoke before, so I'm looking forward to this. Today I'm talking to Jonathan DeFrancesco. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much. Thank you for the lovely intro. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've heard so much about you as well, but we've never, no. never had a chance to speak. No, that's right. And uh, you're you're taking the the time out for me, which I really appreciate. But you're you're in sunny New York, are you at the moment? Or you're living there, aren't you? You're full time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been it's been four years now. Um, yeah, still not qualified to be a real New Yorker. I think <laughs> it, apparently it's a ten year mark. Yeah, but, uh, we're slowly heading towards it. You're getting, um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually, I mean, I absolutely love New York. I've been there a few times, and uh, I just, I just love the place. It's got such a buzz, and I just think it's a shame they didn't design, <laughs> didn't have a blueprint for it for London because you, you just don't get lost there. You know, just three <laughs> blocks that way, five blocks that way. It's just like you only got to know you left from your right, and you, you, you're cool, aren't you? Now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Easiest city in the world to drive in, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. <laughs> well, go, you know, like how, how we know each other is your lovely mum, Jane. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've known her for quite some time now because she set up our Haircuts for Homeless in Birmingham. Uh, right. And uh, she's a, a wonderful woman. I, I love her dearly. And uh, she's told <laughs> me that she's so proud of you, my friend. She's, you know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, she's so proud of you. And um, I've got to make sure as well, because she was the one who said to me that sometimes I waffle on too much in my podcast. So I'm always conscious <laughs> that I don't trust her to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's very frank and she let me have it, which is very good. So you like, you need people around you to tell you this. But um, so obviously, with, with having Jane as a mum, you know, hairdressers and salons, that, how, how, what, made you get into hairdressing at the beginning uh well it's it's quite the obvious story you know that there's yeah. a few friends of mine that have a similar sort of path um you know she worked she's been working as a hairdresser for i'm not going to say how many years but for a long time and um i i remember after work uh, sorry after work after school going to the salon and waiting for her to finish work and you know you'd be playing in the reception and you kind of had that connection to the salon your whole life you you didn't realize it at the time but it's kind of being ingrained on your brain you're seeing these people come in and go out they're you know coming in maybe not as happy and leaving very happy it's like a very strange um thing to see as a as a kid and I suppose as I got older and you know, you, you want a little bit of direction for your kids. My mom was like, oh, maybe you should come into my salon and, you know, do a couple of hours, wash this lady's hair, make a coffee, maybe you'll make some tips. I was like, I'll take the money. So yeah. um, that's kind of how it started. Um, basically washing old ladies' hair and washing perms out. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I love the smell. Yeah. You can't beat the smell of a perm in the morning, can you? <laughs> I, I know, I know. Now, now it's a weird um, that that sulphur smell, which isn't the smell of our house, but it, it it's, it's like a warm reminder of being younger. You know, it's like a um, yeah. It's a, there's a little bit of nostalgia in with the perm solution. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how long was you? Did you go to mum straight from school? Did you work in the salon straight away? Uh, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what, what age I was when I first did like a day of helping. Um, but vaguely it was around 13 right. where, you know, you, you try not to get into too much trouble and, you know, that, trying to do something a little bit more positive. So she was like, come on, get in the salon. I think one of her staff was sick. Yeah. I think the girl that normally helped her at the time was ill and she was, it was Saturday morning. I was, you know, a bit worse for wear um, and, you know, straight into it. And um, that, that was the first day. And to be honest, I hated it. I yeah. really hated it. You know, it's, um, you know, washing a stranger's head is quite strange as a 13-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> like, as a concept, it's like, oh, okay, I was in school yesterday playing with my friends. And now I'm washing an old lady's head who's complaining about everything. It's yeah. quite a contrast of life. Um, <laughs> but eventually you become, uh, you find these people interesting and they have amazing yeah. stories and, you oh. know, these people have lived lives. And yeah. um, I think because of the salons that my mom has always worked in, she's built up a clientele that are is really diverse, you know. Yeah. There's like ladies that are married to MPs and then like the person that works across the street in the greengrocer. So you had that real... Uh, yeah. a breadth of community um yeah. which i which i now looking back on i, I think I, I really really enjoyed yeah i think it's that thing of if young people if you if you learn to listen more if you open your ears you just <laughs> more exactly. about people but when you're young it's all this and not much of this isn't it i know i know and, and that, that's good as well like you know I, I i always um i think having a bit of an attitude and a bit of bravado helps but it's yeah, it's good to listen every now and again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> was, was you was you was you pretty much hooked from the beginning of being a hairdresser, or did you want to be anything else? Uh, no, I think it was a slow start, really. Um, again, I think I was so young; it was almost hard to say, um, hard to say what I wanted to do. You know, I was skateboarding with my friends, and I thought that was the most important thing in the world, and. Um, you know, doing hair was just a way of making money and being around funny people. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I was uh, 15, almost turning 16, that my mom was like, right, you're going to America, you're going to spend some time with my old boss. Um, it's this man called Peter Webb. Um, mm -hmm. He was like a, a fantasy hairdresser in the 60s. Um, oh. Did all like the competition run in Europe yeah. and in America and him and his wife, Shirley, who was also a fantastic hairdresser that won a lot of awards during that time, they ended up taking their family to America and settled in actually upstate New York in a town called Rochester. Wow. Um, so she said, okay, let's go over there and let's see if, if you have any good or see if he can give you the green light or maybe teach you something and get an experience of somewhere that isn't just Birmingham because Birmingham is, you know, a small place after all. Yeah. Um, so after, after doing that trip and I was there for a couple of months, um, 
And it's, it's nice to meet other people your age and other guys doing hair because it wasn't, you know, going into a salon that I was the only guy and it would be, you know, around women a lot. And it was nice to walk into a place where it's like, oh, these people are cool. And, you know, we go play football after work or. Yeah. So it, I was like, oh, actually, hairdressers are cool people and they're, they're artists and yeah. they have like interesting hobbies. And um, it's not just winding perms and doing sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the brave thing, though. So you went over there for a couple of months. What, you was only 16? Uh, I had my 16th birthday when I was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think, I'm not sure we actually finished school. I, I, I know that I got my GCSEs. Yeah. But I, I don't think we, I think we just went to America. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that was the turning point. I was like, okay, you can... There's competition. I had no idea there was competitions. Or you could enter things and show your skill base. Oh, there's um, people that are doing extremely interesting haircuts, not just like classic shapes. Yeah. And um, that was when I kind of caught wind of a few people like Trevor Sorby and you know the the, the greats that obviously uh, they looked up to. Yeah. Um, and coming back to the UK, I was like, okay, how can I get into the place where, you know, that level and quality of work is? Um, so the, the aim was always to get to London and work for someone like a Sassoon or a Sorby or a Brooks and Brooks or you name it, all the trendy places. Um, but I ended up going to a salon in, in Birmingham city center, a place called Benjamin Ryan hair. Um, they, they have a salon still there, great people. Um, and the owner, Ben, was always doing Fashion Week. He was doing uh, Milan, Paris, and London Fashion Week. And he was assisting a guy called Paul Hanlon, who we all know is a, a fantastic hairdresser, yeah. um, designed all of the looks for Gucci for who knows how many years now. Yeah. Um, and their old school friends is what I vaguely remember. Yeah. Um, so I had that. I, I didn't even know that fashion existed. I looked at magazines. I was just like, oh, there's just a person on the front and people just write things in the middle. Yeah. I had no idea that there was actually a crew of people, um, not just a crew of people, but a crew of extremely talented individuals that get together and put these projects on a page or on a moving image. Um, so that was like my first introduction that fashion even existed uh, through working for those guys. Yeah. And how long was you there for? I think I was there for two and a half years. Um, during that time, I, I, I got onto the Schwarzkopf uh, Young Art Team, and I, I, I did Club Stars' first ever art team that they did. Right. Um, so I was, I was working on those. So I was down in London quite a bit and meeting people. Yeah. And that's where I met. Actually, going back a bit, I, I met Sophia Hilton doing. Um, uh, student of the year competition i i won the the age group beforehand and she run, won the age group above right and we stayed in contact right. and for going down to london for the swatchkoff and the club star art teams which are fantastic by the way if anybody yeah. wants to do it they have to do it because those people are so talented and i learned a lot yeah i owe a lot to those people um but obviously being down in london i'd stayed in contact with sophia yeah. Sophia had then moved to um, Brooks and Brooks. Yeah. And, at, you know, I was like, okay, 
my friends at Brooks and Brooks, she's cool. She does amazing work. And then you look at the team and what Sally and Jamie are doing, it's just mind blowing yeah. how good this team is. Um, you know, they're, you know, pr- I call them proper hairdressers. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know what the technical term is. <laughs> you, no. offend, you offend 90% of the hairdressing population now. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I just, I, I just, I just I love you how they did it. Yeah. I, just like, I think at that time I needed that sort of um, yeah. passion and drive yeah. to be like exceptional, yeah. humble, and also just pushing boundaries. And, and yeah. at that time that was wh- who was doing what I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, maybe if I went back to London and did it all again, it would be someone else. You know, it depends yeah. how you feel at the time. I, but, I, know um, Sophia, I know Sophia and Sally. And they mm-hmm. are, you know, they still are the cream of the crop and doing amazing. Absolutely, things, you know, and I, I love both of their personalities as well as human beings. They are amazing yeah, people, incredible people. Yeah. So you, you oh a, yeah, you went into a great start there, didn't you? Absolutely. Um, and you know, you kind you kind of want to do what your friends are doing, and you want. And so it ended up that I managed to get an interview with Jamie, and you know. I, terrified because this is like this big salon in london and i, I was only uh, 18 at the time and yeah. um you know and their vardering process is, is brutal to say the yeah. least uh, yeah. yeah yeah brutal um you know go out and get some models go to top shop and you know get kicked out for trying to get people's numbers and yeah I, i'm not sure you could do that today but uh, yeah. <laughs> at no. the time it was uh fine people and so I got through the vardering process and then the chaos of working for Brooks and Brooks for four years began. And yeah. I, th- I think that's where I really learned how to master the craft. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so what that, the, what would that have taken to you, you to about 22, was it something like that? Yeah, it was, yeah, about 22, 23. Yeah. Um, and while I was at Brooks, we'd, uh, creative, the Creative Head Awards had become like a big, a big thing. It kind of started yeah. to challenge the um, the British Hairdressing Awards, and all of a sudden, it was like, oh, this is an interesting awards um, to be part of because it felt like they were coming from a different point of view. Yeah. Um, so that opened up an opportunity to enter alternative categories, if one for a better word. Right. Um, yeah. And so I entered that and was fortunate to walk away with three three awards from the creative head awards in a couple of years um which was which was great and it was um it it was a really nice way to kind of crown how everything that i learned from working with mom going to new york being in london and kind of building up that skill base yeah um and then finally being like okay this is what i can do but this is what i like and it was the first time that I could show show that. So I'm very grateful to Creative Head for, you know, allowing that space for young people to do that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, it, a bit of a crazy time, bit of a whirlwind. Because um, once you get them awards, there's a lot of afterwards, and there? there's a lot of... Exactly. Uh, you, know, you get a lot of attention, didn't you, after that? Yeah, of course. And it's... And it's um, you know, sometimes with awards, if 
you see it, it's like oh i'm i'm great and all the rest of it but that that's not i don't think that's quite the case with hairdressing i don't think no. it's not like the oscars where they get up there yeah. they thank everyone and their dog and like <laughs> it's um I, I think with that it's more like okay we're building a strong community and now we can look at each other and build off of each other i, I don't think hairdressing is the kind of um uh world where we're in you know we're in competition but it's a healthy competition we're trying to get better each time and teach each other new things and get together and you see it from being at awards everybody's you know chuffed to see each other and yeah it's 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 quite a different community i I don't think well i don't know but i'm not sure that that exists in other communities where there is competitions and um, like you know, in the food industry, everybody's out to get each other, and they all yeah. hate each other. You know, <laughs> well, they were around knives too much, them lot. So I think that's exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. much better nowadays. It used to be a bit like that in, in industry years ago, but uh, I think it's, I imagine it's yeah. so much, and everyone is is supporting each other and helping. And you are genuinely chuffed when you see someone doing well. Oh, absolutely, and you know, every even if another person wins the whole room's cheering for them it's um yeah yeah, it's it's quite it's quite special um so going with all of that and as you said with the aftermath of these things um during that time a friend of mine was assisting an amazing hairdresser called anthony turner um yeah yeah who's another Birmingham boy. So I was, you know, very glad to hear his accent when I, when I turned up, although mine's gone now. Um, I was glad to hear his accent when I turned up backstage because they were looking for haircutters for a men's show. Um, and we immediately clicked and ended up doing more and more shows with him, a, a few shoots with him. And then I was getting to understand, um, what it's like to, take an image of hair for fashion because taking an image for hair for a hair competition or um, advertising for a salon or um, promotional work on Instagram for your work for a salon is so different. Yeah. Um, The process, the um, just the people and how you have to operate is, is a completely different, different world. Uh, And it's not too different skill set, but it's a different, a different way of doing that skill set. Yeah. Um, so I, I became more and more familiar with um, Anthony's work and speaking with him. And obviously, as soon as you meet someone like that, then that world opens up to you. You realize, oh, there's Sam McKnight, there's Eugene Sullivan, there's yeah. uh, Duffy, there's all of these people that are, um, you know, true artists. And oh, maybe I could learn something from these people. Um, so at the time, a lady called Valerie, who is Jamie's uh, wife, um, she works for Sam McKnight's brand. Wow. And um, she, uh, I think there was a, a show, I think it was Chanel. Um, and, I, I, you know, a few of us from the salon were invited to help with, with the show because it's a, it's a big one. There's a lot of girls and they're, they're always looking for, you know, hands to help. Um, so that was my introduction to working with Sam. So I was kind of working with Sam and Anthony and and then Duffy a little bit and James Pessis a little bit, Holly Smith sometimes. Um, And then because of the Creative Head Awards, 
um, somebody from Redken reached out to me and said, could you go to Japan in two days' time to assist Guido um, on the Dior show? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's that's nice, pretty nice scary. Call. Nice fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and at, at the time, um, a very good friend of mine who owns a, a company called Session Kit, uh, Anna Chapman, she oh. had just started working with him. And uh, so I text Anna and I was like, shit, what do we do? Um, you know, I'm going to have to cancel all my clients. And uh, luckily, Sally and Jamie were very um, understanding and they, they let me go. Um, and yeah, that was the first, the second time I'd been to Japan, luckily. So it wasn't too um, mind blowing to turn up in a, in a foreign land yeah. and uh, work for somebody that you idolize. Um, and we did the show there and it was it was obviously amazing and working with him is a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a stepping stone. You know, you, you learn all of the steps that you do up until that point. It's like, okay, now I'm ready to work with this type of, you know, artist. Um, and not only him, his team are arguably some of the best hairdressers on the planet. Um, so I started working with him more and more. And I think after like six months, then I basically was working for him full time, um, you know, exclusively doing uh, editorials and campaigns and runway. Um, so very busy with him for about three years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like where everything fell into place. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, you're not just working with the main artist. Um, you're working with their team. And yeah. there's a reason why he has that team around them. You know, it's like why Trevor has the team that he does, why Sally and Jamie have the team that they do. They can't, you can't do it without the people that you have around you. Um, and, yeah, the, there's people like Sandy and Jean-Baptiste Santan, uh, Andre, Anna Chapman, uh, Joanna Nevis. There's this group of people that are just outstanding at what they do. Yeah. Um, and it was just working with those guys all the time and really mastering our craft and doing some of the most amazing jobs and traveling all over the world. And, um, yeah, really learning what the fashion industry is yeah. and how chaotic it is and, uh, how now I appreciate sleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was an amazing uh, few years. And after that absolute whirlwind, um, Guido was kind enough to like give me some advertising and he would let me go off and do jobs, you know, as, as did other members of the team, we would go off and do jobs for him. Yeah. Um, and he was kind enough to let me use the images in my, my portfolio. And yeah. from that, an, a few agencies started to reach out um, and I ended up moving, going with uh, an agency called LGA, uh, run by Michelle Lacey. They're a fantastic agency. Um, and that was like my beginnings of working for myself and learning what I'd learned with Greedo, but to do it on my own terms. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And, and then a few years later, I ended up signing with Streeters, um, yeah. which was a, a bit big a big thing I, I said i wanted to sign with a big agency by the time i was 30 and i was 
uh, 28, 29. So that was, that was good go. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah. And then ever since then, it's just been chaos, but good and yeah. traveling all over the place and working with amazing people. And, um, you know, I'm very much into photography and I've managed to work with a number of my heroes. Yeah. Um, and which is, you know, which was the aim in the beginning was to meet these people and learn from them. And, um, yeah, which brings us to here. I was yeah. having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, going back on that slightly is the fact that what I find is people like, and now you've said to me about Guido and, uh, and what I know of Sam and Sam McKnight, mm-hmm. uh, they're so generous. They're, so, they're, they're amazing. They're, they're not, you know, they could be these prima donna, prima donna superstar people, um, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're so generous with young talent. You know, they really do. A lot of people I've met on my travels with, with haircuts, homeless, and you know, of of you know that, that thing that yeah, well, I've done some time with Sam, and he really, really helped me, and it's you know, mm-hmm. and then I to do all their own stuff. Anna Cafoni and uh, Lee Keats, of course, that, you know, who I've had a great, you know, they've all come and cut hair for me. <laughs> Amazing. We've got, we've got. You say they've got a good team. I've got six hundred strong team, mate. Well, that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and Louis Byrne was cutting hair, a guy's hair in uh, Whitechapel once, and uh, you know, and he, he, he's, a, he's an amazing hairdresser, and he, <laughs> he is amazing. I love Louis. Yeah, I yeah. Love, and he's such a beautiful human being. But he cut his mm-hmm. buns hair, and he's doing it all, and he looked, he looked fantastic, you know. And he walks out, and he went, "Cheers, mate. You've saved me a tenner." <laughs> oh, <laughs> he saved you a lot more than that, son. I tell you, <laughs> the days have been amazing. Haircut are long gone, you know. The of that, it, it, it blows me away. But yeah, Sam and, and people like that—that that they've got such a love for the industry—really help and nurture young talent, you know. And I think you're absolutely from what you've said now. This sort of little podcast, this should be shown. In, um, they should take this and do the and show it in 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 schools. You know the uh, the thing of this thing that we're still battling about taking hairdressers seriously. And you're mm. after that. You know that if you if you put yourself out and go out in the world and go and find it, it's not just um, what people perceive the average salon life to be, is it? Yeah, of course. It's it's funny you say that. It, what what. Oh, while we were visiting some uh, family friends, the people that trained me up in Rochester a few weeks ago, my mom came to visit and we went to see them. One of their sons is thinking about being a hairdresser and he wanted to speak to me and say, oh, um, what, are the, what are the options, you know? And it's, it's kind of difficult to explain to somebody what the options are in an hour. It's, it's just mm-hmm. endless, absolutely endless. You could work in a salon and become a fantastic salon hairdresser, have an incredible clientele, make good money and, you know, have a, have a successful business. You could do what you're doing and set up a, a, you know, a brand now that's spread all over the UK doing things that you probably never imagined you would have done when you first started cutting hair. Um, and there's the opportunity to travel. There's, there's not many jobs where you can, put your equipment into a suitcase, get on the plane and, and do your job. It's, um, yeah, it's quite remarkable really. Um, I, I don't think I ever thought that I would 
be doing what I'm doing now. Um, but yeah, I th- you're right. It would be good to put these kind of conversations in those rooms where these kids, maybe they could think of the future instead of just, you yeah. know, painting tint on and doing one length and going home and watching TV, which is, which is fine as well. But there's... I, I, I think that's the, you know, maybe I'll, I mean, you know, maybe I'll try and push that. I've done some work in some um, schools as well. And I've done some work recently. I've done some work in a, in a school of, uh, people with church behavioural needs, uh, children, up, uh, boys up to 18, right. you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it, it's, it's so inspiring for them to hear mm-hmm. people like you, you know, that when you get out, it's chaos. It was absolute chaos in there. But there was a couple <laughs> of kids, you know, a couple of kids who just really sort of hung back a bit and were just showing mm. that spark of interest and, you know, uh, the ones that weren't sort of throwing the doll's heads at each other, they, they sort of <laughs> <laughs> sitting like to their spray. These kids was, uh, I was probably in the city stuff. But uh, you could tell they had that little bit of flair and they was interested. And I think you can engage with these kids. They've got, they've got a chance, you know. Um, Absolutely. It's a, you know, the most interesting people I've ever met are the most chaotic, you know. Yeah. And they're, they're the ones that we need to protect and we need to, like, let blossom because... That's where innovation comes from. These are the people that um, new things are found. They're, they're going to do things the wrong way, but that's that's good because maybe we find something new. Um, yeah. And and like as Mum was saying to me before, as it comes to the pandemic, I believe I've got this right. That you know, rather than sort of catching up on Game of Thrones, you you set out to develop something. <laughs> Well, I did that as well. Yeah, of course. Come on, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, season eight was a waste of time, or whatever season it was. But you know, you've got to get past. We all that, went man. through it. I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's funny actually. The the whole time I was working in salons, um, obviously to run like a West London salon or any salon anywhere, it takes a lot of um, logistics. It takes a lot of um, setting up but it's a difficult thing to do you know to actually run a salon day to day and one of those things is you know the towels that are used in the salon the process of laundry the amount of towels that have been thrown away uh, disposable towels had just started to become a thing um i can't remember what year that was but yeah i i realized that there was this thing about towels and there's always these conversations of like are the towels dry somebody fold the towels there's like what we don't have any more disposables left there's there's always this conversation about some annoyance or grievance around towels and that kind of stuck with me and um and then traveling around you know i'd have cotton towels in my kit and some of them would get wet and i'd you know you're traveling around and you, you just chuck it in the bag and you take it out and you're like oh god i have to throw that away um so this is just this thing that kept popping up. Like there's, there needs to be a better solution for salons, individuals, people that travel, people that visit homes. Um, that there should be a better alternative. So went down that rabbit hole in in the lockdown. I mean, New York was completely locked down, so there was literally nothing else to do apart from focus on that. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being that Phantom Towels was was born like the the idea and 
um, last June we launched. Um, and, and it's been amazing. We, we sold out twice already, um, which is, which we didn't ever imagine to, for things to move so quickly. Um, you know, the, the traditional cotton towel is no good for the environment at all. And they don't last the amount of water that goes into it. When you dye towels, um, it's, it's terrible for the ground. They don't biodegrade. It just doesn't happen. The uh, disposable towels, the Green Salon Collector did an amazing uh, piece on disposable cotton towels. And they revealed that if you use more than one per customer, it's no longer eco-friendly. Right. So, which is very difficult because I think most people would use at least two, if not three. And, yeah. you know, when you've got that one junior that's hungover, she's maybe, or he <laughs> is going to be using 10. Um, so it's, it's really hard to monitor that sort of thing. Yeah. So we, we designed phantom towels to be, you can never stain it. It's a microfiber. It will never stain from hair bleach or hair color, not in our lifetime anyway. Um, it won't shrink. It doesn't create lint. Um, it comes out of the washing machine 90% dry. So you throw it in the tumble dry for five minutes and it's ready to go. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're looking at cutting down costs of salons. We're looking at you know, offering a, a superior product that the customers can have on their sh- shoulders or you know, be drying their hair yeah. and they, they feel good about it. Um, I mean, really, we should be the gold standard in salons, not just across the UK, but across the world. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where we're aiming towards with Phantom Towels. Because they're, 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 they're a larger towel as well, aren't they? they can, you can put them... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, so we, 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 des- we originally designed the towels to be bigger for the, for the color process. Yeah. So when... You know, obviously, every, everybody has their habits, but the way us hairdressers do it, sit, hi to the client, they sit down, coffee, magazine, the normal salon gown, then there's a plastic sheet put over the top, and then there's a towel tucked in, or which, whichever process that people like to do. But there's always this plastic sheet, and no matter what anybody says, you know, that plastic is going in the bin, and where's it going? Landfill. Mm-hmm. Um so we designed the towel to be bigger so then it could accommodate for color services. So then not all color services. There's obviously going to be times where a plastic cape is warranted, people with very long hair or certain techniques that, that need it. Um, but by eliminating plastic to a certain point in, on that part of the color process really, really helps. It reduces costs. Um, as I said, the towel doesn't stain, so you could be balayaging and leaving bleach on the towel, and it's never yeah. going to stain. Um, and we've also just recently, about three, no, maybe, a, um, yeah, three weeks ago, we released a, another size called Baby Phantom. And it's basically a half size that is more functional for people at the backwash, you know, day-to-day use, so there isn't so much fabric. Um, and... Uh, a sneak peek we are developing a turban as well and that'll be aimed for people um almost like an aftercare solution for stylists and colorists to be able to offer to their clients so people that are having vivid colors done especially um 
people that like to, um, you know, do their routine in the morning. They've got a vivid color and they're putting their hair in a turban to do their makeup or whatever they're doing that morning. Mm. All these turbans are getting stained. Um, so we're going to be offering in the very near future um, a solution to that. So, yeah, the, the I, brand is growing. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I, the, I, you take me back, sir, because I had a salon for 30 years. And God right. knows how many of those plastic, black, disposable, kind of plastic capes you used to put on. Yeah, every every colour, yeah. you, you know, you get them on. And, and um, we used to have the permanent plastic ones on the back of the chairs to stop them getting. Right. You have the, the one that you tie around the neck over the top of the gown. And then you'd use the towel. And, and like so many of them plastic ones, so I can really see that, you know. Absolutely. I've got a conflict here because we asked Hair Cross is sponsored by Easy Dry. So I wanna, oh, right. <laughs> but I want to just say that I did check with Green Sound Collective at the time for the smaller sizes, you know, and at the time the only and, and they was the ones that they said were the most biodegradable of of, mm-hmm. of those other ones of that size that we needed in particular. Right. But I might, they might chuck me off after this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, like, you know, every, every um, tool has its function. Every, of course. You know, it's, it's, and how, how you operate your salon is, is, is up to you or how you operate your business is entirely yeah. up to you. And it has to be the tool that's comfortable for you, your yeah. customers, your staff. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just how you use the tools in your, in yeah. your shop. I mean, I, I, as soon as I heard about it, and, and, and mum said to me as well, that, you know, I thought, what, what a fantastic idea, though, because the amount of these plastic capes is incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, how on earth has he got it so it doesn't stain? I mean, bleach. <laughs> I've had bleach and, and black tint everywhere you can find it in my lifetime. Right. <laughs> 46 years, there's not a place on my body that's not had a bit of black tint or a bit of bleach burn. <laughs> And exactly. I do use gloves, but I mean, you know, how many times the old alkaline burns and things? It's we're terrible every day. Every day. We don't believe. Yeah, we don't do what we preach. But um, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> I mean, that's great. That's a, it, you know, really good luck with that. With the the. Thank um, you so much. Yeah. But um, also, as well, recently I I heard through a grapevine that you was working on the old Met Gala. Uh, yeah. Um, that was how long ago was that? Two two weeks ago or so? Two weeks ago, wasn't um, it? Yeah, 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 exactly. What is that world like because from an onlooker, like it's just a different. It must be amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's exactly what you see in the pictures and the videos. It's um, complete chaos. You know, um, I, it's one of those events that. You know, every I don't know how many years it's been going on for. I think it's a good thirty years that the Met Gala's been been running for. Um, and obviously, it's a time where every designer and every celebrity really wants to, you know, make their mark and um, be the one that's photographed the most or have the best write up. So obviously, they bring in uh, everybody brings in their teams and they they design a look around the the, the dress or the the suit or the gown that's um been designed for them so it's it's a bit of a process um you know you could you could go in and you do a couple of days worth of testing just to see what works best and obviously 
as we all know, things change last minute. So it's good to have an arsenal of ideas just um, yeah. in the background. And it's not just myself, but other friends that are working on it. Uh, um, you know, you turn up with a, a number of suitcases and uh, you have every trick up your sleeve ready to go. Um, it's, yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of pressure with that type of thing because there's a lot of eyes on it. You know, with, with like a runway show, um, you know, you have maybe 20 to 60 models and, you know, the next one after the other, they're taking your attention away. But when there's just one person and everybody's focused on that one person, everything has to be absolutely perfect. Um, so it definitely brings in a different skill set. Um, you, you know, doing the client that's in the salon that's leaving for her, her party that evening, you kind of, once she's left, you've, you've forgot, you know, but this person that you're doing for this event, you're freaking out. Yeah. They're freaking out because, every, you know, everybody's trying to take a picture and they take the picture for a good 30 minutes and they move around and they're greeting friends. And yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot to handle. <laughs> it's, it's incredible the amount of work. It must be months and months and months of preparation for those, some of those looks. It's in, like the work must be in it. Uh, the, I mean, the, the outfits as well as the hair, but yes. the outfits themselves, yeah. you know, like. And that, oh, yeah. I, what was the one that stuck out for you this year? I mean, uh, just for a good sense of humour, the Jared Leto with the yeah, hat. Yeah, the same thing. <laughs> the same thing. And what yeah. struck me was that the quality of, <laughs> I mean, you could just I know. put a cat suit on, couldn't you? You know, like... Uh, but right. it was so beautifully made, wasn't it? It made you want to stroke it. Like the, 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 <laughs> it was like, there must have been a work that must have gone into that. It was incredible, wasn't it? I, I know. I, I'm not sure who made it. or I mean, maybe like a movie yes. uh, prop movie team. Prop made, team. It, yeah. it looks like movie quality. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. The way that the even the, the, the fur was laid, it, it looks perfect. Yeah. Bit, bit freaky, but perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny because re recently I, I love cage fighting. This is, that's a bit of a, a, a change of subject, isn't it? I love right. cage fighting. So recently I've seen him twice, you know. Uh, it was a, the Dion Edwards fight in London that I attended and he was right. I was, I was right near. Oh, the, amazing. And he, he, he was there right at the front, Jared Loud. And, uh, and oh, the really? Thing, <laughs> the next thing I see him lifting his hat off and he's a, he's a cat. <laughs> Oh, that's a man of multi, multiple tastes, that man. Is <laughs> absolutely, yeah. He's, yeah. he's quite a fan of that world, no? He's, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's he's always at those events. Um, but Le Leon's a uh, you know, obviously being from Birmingham, oh, he's he's done he's, he's done everyone proud. Yeah, oh, yeah, is, yeah. He, is he really? I like I love I love his story, and you know, and we was there, Amazing. and we was there, and it was like the atmosphere. Wow. You know, it, it, it took the they took the roof off of the hotel. I bet. <laughs> you know, it was so fantastic. And I've seen him a couple of times in the hotel, and he's such a cool bloke because I saw him last year at the same event, uh, and he was because he weren't fighting; he was just sort of hanging around the hotel. But uh, he's a cool bloke, and you know, had a good chat, and he, he's he's really approachable to the fans. Nice. Like, a lot of them are. You know, it's not like footballers. It's like. You can hang around with them. Yeah. Uh, thing. You know, if, if you're football, uh, footballers, you, you wouldn't be allowed near them, you know. But 
I know. Talk about prima donnas earlier on. The footballers are the biggest prima donnas yeah. on the planet, probably. They beat all the celebrities. I know. <laughs> no, they're not for me. I shouldn't say that. My son's West Ham mad, so I shouldn't say that. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think we've gone the full spectrum. Uh, it's been great talking to you. I've, I've really enjoyed yeah, likewise. And uh, now I know a lot more about what Jane... I, I think I know a lot of it, but Jane told me most of it. <laughs> you know what mums are like. Right. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it's really your good. Yeah. And, and, and I admire you. I admire you for taking your... Thank you. you know, taking your chances, going out in the world, finding your thing. Um, and it's, it's, you know, and you are an inspiration to young people. And I will try and get this sent out thank you. as much as possible. So, you know, Jonathan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Absolutely. And, uh, at one point, I'll see you in Birmingham. You will do. Absolutely. Right. Hopefully this year. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs>